You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back once again to the Oz Network as we continue on with our exclusive rewatch of Third Watch, the show that we are saying is the greatest TV show in the history of TV shows. Take our word for it. We are biased. But we're allowed to be because we are podcast hosts and we don't have to answer to anyone. Uh, but we are into the sixth episode now of the first season entitled Sunny, like sunshine. And as we start off with every episode by introducing ourselves and my name is Ben and I promise to bring it back with a full tank of gas, Dad. And I'm Brandy and we are back again and come on, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite out of the whole why, why did I go with that one? That kind of would have worked out a little bit better, I feel. Um, that's... I just... Oh, that was perfect. I just... Carlos. Oh, gosh. What can you say? It's a fun episode. It is a fun episode. It's kind of... I think we were just mentioning off-air a little bit about how it's um, not quite as in-depth... Uh, clearly as our last episode was in terms of the content nature of it. But there's still some good stuff in this episode to talk about. Obviously, you know, we get kind of this culmination of the Doc versus Carlos sort of battle. And then obviously we get a bit of, uh, you know, culmination of the Bobby and Kim stuff as well. So uh, there's a bit to go over. And we even get some firefighter action in this episode. Hey, guess what, people? Third Watch is about three different professions, including firefighters. And uh, they get some screen time in this episode. I want to know, who is sweet? Now, was he mentioned before? <laughs> no. Because I'm sorry, but that stuck, up, that stuck out to me. And I'm like, sweet. All of a sudden, it's all about sweet. No. So sweet is new. Sweet is new. And just let's be honest, he's in the Dana basket of uh, not really memorable characters in Third Watch. Because I believe this is it. This is sweet shining moment. He basically almost gets Jimmy killed and then he's done. It's like, thanks, sweet. Thanks for coming. Uh, he's probably fired straight after this episode because, nah, he's, this is it. This is all we get from him, so. <laughs> you must kill the hottest guy after the show. <laughs> no, you're done. <laughs> well, we see why Brandy likes sweet, everybody. Uh, clearly, there's a reason behind that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, well, okay, I can't wait till we get to that scene. Um... <laughs> But we, yeah, I mean, let's get straight into this, I feel. Let, let's obviously start off with uh, the beginning. That's generally where you start off with any episode. But uh, we, we get Bobby, uh, and Bobby's in jail, apparently. Why is Bobby in jail? I don't know. Uh, he's seeing his brother. Now, this is uh, Matt, Maddie. Uh, I don't know if they actually say his name, but this is obviously going to be a bit of a storyline we'll get throughout this uh, season. Just a brief little mention yes. here, and he's obviously getting out in, what does he say, like six days, 12 hours. You know, he knows it to the exact second. Um, and we get this great sort of scene between them, and obviously Maddie's asking uh, Bobby, you know, you talk to mum, can I come stay with mum? And clearly, you know, Bobby's mum wants nothing to do with him. Now, I, I just kind of want to... I, I like the little throwaway line when he kind of comes in there and is like, oh, did they, you know search you or anything when you came in here and Bobby's sort of like oh you know just the usual cavity search and he's like yeah but you liked huh. it um, it's just I just wanted to quickly note this scene because I mean obviously there's not a whole lot more of this until we sort of get into the upcoming episodes but I, I love Maddie's character I kind of like Bobby's sort of getting more of a storyline here outside of you know, what we've already learnt about him. And just, they look like brothers. Both uh, Bobby Cannavale, and I'll pull up the actor's name here in a moment, but they, they look I got him. So, I know him. Oh, what's, John. His, what's his name? Who is he? I think it's John Cedar. There we go. S-E-D-A. Okay. He plays in Chicago. He now plays in Chicago PD, ah. Chicago Fire, and Chicago So, if any of you guys are fans out there of those 
of the Chicago series, you'll love him in this series as well on Third Watch. Okay, well, there you go. You're on the ball. Thank you for that there, Brandy. Um, but, yeah, because re- they really do look like brothers. And I guess kind of I like sort of, I mean, it's weird using the word chemistry when it comes to sort of brothers, but they do have this really good, like, you believe they're brothers. Like, it just, they just work so well off each other. And it's kind of an interesting person I feel to be a fan of because, you know, as we're kind of discovering with a lot of these characters, not a lot of them don't necessarily have, uh, I guess, positive finishes to their story arcs. And, uh, you know, sort of spoiler, it doesn't really work out too well for Maddie in Third Watch. But it's kind of... I just like him. He's just one of these random side characters that really bring nothing to the overall, you know, arc of Third Watch. But I just... I've always... I always enjoy when Maddie comes into Season 1. I do, too. I enjoy... Uh... It definitely shows a different side because, you know, we all know as Bobby, he takes care of his mom and he has a big, they talk about how he has family, you know, but this is the first time we actually, besides his mom, we actually get to meet somebody in depth in terms of his family and yeah. it kind of shows more background. We haven't met his mom yet, I don't self-made. think either, have we? we? I don't even think we've met his mom at this point. I don't think so. We've heard mentions, but, yeah. you know, yeah. So, it just shows. It definitely, I think this is like one of the better character arcs for yeah, definitely. Bobby. You know? You know, and poor Bobby, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think I think I mean you do make a um, you make a fantastic point when it comes to kind of just the story and like I guess kind of one thing that we haven't really overly focused on sort of now into our sixth episode here is that we we touched on last episode when it came to you know it juggles very well in terms of the overall sort of, you know, balancing all these different storylines and everything along the way. But it, it does kind of feel that each episode is, you have your sort of starring pair, I guess, you know, each episode really has your main focus, despite all the intertwining storylines. And I, we've sort of touched on season two really does make it solely about one person. Like that's kind of the overall arc of season two, but sort of using that as an example, last episode easily would have being, you know, Bosco and Yokus were the, the main storyline of that episode. I would say this episode, the main storyline is Bobby and Kim. And we kind of get that straight away. We, we see Bobby, and then obviously we're about to move into Kim now straight away, where she's obviously coming across our dear favourite drug addict, Sonny, um, who's wanting to, to stay with Kim. Uh, so, I mean, it's good to kind of get this sort of focus on some paramedics. But, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. We see Sunny. Um, Kim's like, what the fuck are you doing here, basically? And obviously, you know, she found the address <laughs> from her wallet. I, I, one thing I will say, for a 13-year-old drug addict, she's got a fantastic memory remembering addresses. I mean, how long ago was that that she stole her wallet? She glanced at it once and she remembers where she lives? Like, wow, she's got a great memory for a 13-year-old. She does, but drug addicts do surprise you. Well, okay. <laughs> Maybe it is all the drugs making a good memory. I don't know. Obviously, Kim says no, because no. why would you want to kind of have her staying with you? She's stolen from you in the past. But, you know, Kim's still, no. I guess, caring. You know, she's saying, like, well, you know, what about your parents? There are shelters and Sunny yeah. storms off in anger. I guess, you know, well acted. We've sort of, we've talked about Sunny before, the actress who plays her. And, uh, you know, she's a great actress. Natalie Nicole is her name. Um, but, you know, just kind of take note of that. It's sort of the last time we will see Sunny, kind of, uh, at least, let's just say it, alive. Um, so, sad. Given the episode's called Sunny Like Sunshine, you expect there's going to be something more with Sunny in this, and look, spoiler alert, there, there will be. Uh, and kind of from here, we then, um, 
basically get to... What are we at? Oh, Bosco and Yokus. We should quickly mention this. I was about to skip right into Davis's mum. But no, we obviously have... Yokus is coming off the, the subway. There's Bosco with his fancy souped-up car that we get to know and love. And he's obviously offering a lift to the precinct. It's only three blocks away. And kind of he's just saying, like, hey, we need to get our story straight, obviously, from what happened at the end of last episode. And this is kind of what I touched on last episode, where it's like, this is kind of the end of this storyline. You kind of feel like this could be an ongoing, you know, an investigation into Yokus and sort of, you know, what's happening and all this sort of stuff. But one thing I will say, and it kind of it comes down to the continuity of Third Watch, which... One of the real negative things about it is that it often forgets what it's done in the past. Later on in the series, I think it's, what, season five, is it not? Uh, yeah, it is season five when, uh, you know, there's a real storyline into kind of Yokus and we've got crews in there and all that sort of stuff. And sort of people are investigating Yokus's police history. I'm surprised something like this, you know, doesn't get brought up. Having said that, maybe it's so well covered up over the years that, uh, you know, it's never found out because clearly she doesn't get investigated for it. So um, it's kind of interesting how this is kind of the only mention of it. We get a little bit later on when Yoko sort of talks about the, the, the boy that got shot and died. But, I mean, this is it. This is, you know, Bosco wants to get their story straight. Yoko's is like, look, don't lie for me. We're just going to tell the truth. So it's kind of interesting that Yoko's, you feel she's willing to go down for this. She's willing to, you know, risk everything. She's done it. She's basically gotten a guy killed, and she's willing to stand up to what she did. She doesn't want Bosco to lie. So, um, you know, it would have been interesting if that had have actually been a plot line of it all. You know, and it is interesting, like how you said, she's willing to go down. When she, I don't know, because I... I get what you're saying, like, in the last episode, you were like, you know, it's kind of far-fetched. Like, not far-fetched, but it's kind of far from, like, you know, taking a dying boy to the hospital, you know, to her be, like, telling Bosco not to do certain things, to her just cold-blooded, just leaving the guy out there for dead, you know? And in this episode, she's just like, whatever. Whatever happens, happens, you know? it It is different. But at the same time, maybe, I just take it as, maybe she's confident that it is what it is, she, nothing's gonna happen. Because... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. Well, I mean, look, let's be honest, nothing does happen, so (laughs) it's kind of... I'm just saying, maybe she's confident, because there are cops out there, like, who are confident that it's going to happen, so maybe she's portraying that kind of cop that's, like, confident that men's going to come back to bite her, you know? True. If anything, if we want to, like, analyze this a little bit, you know, off, off the screen, we can be like, well, maybe she gave him a favor, maybe that dude... Did so much damage to that gang that they're actually appreciative of what she did. So they're not going to say anything. Mm, yeah. Maybe he killed some of their homeboys. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All's fair in love and gang war, apparently. Um, sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it. That's done. That storyline done. There you go. That was fun. Um, from there, we obviously now see Sally arriving at the precinct and we get to meet Davis's mum. Hello, Mrs. Uh, Davis, as I was about to say, what's her last name? Davis is his last name. Um, but it's kind of, it's Maggie. That's her name. And it, it's a nice little scene because obviously you know that Sully and, and Maggie would have been close because, you know, through, through the fact that he was partners with the dad and, you know, it's what they say, it's been about five, six years since they've seen each other. And I do love the fact that, like, you know, how old is Davis? Like, he's got to be mid-twenties perhaps. And here he is getting driven to work by his mum and she's all like, I put extra. I hope I didn't put too much starch in your shirt. You know, see you later. And he's just like, bye, mum. <laughs> it's just, it's so cute. It's, I don't know, cute's the right word, but it's kind of like, he's not ashamed of it at all. Because you, you kind of look no, at him. No, because he's like, Sully's like, 
then she cut the crust off yeah. the sandwich too. He's like, I'll come that way. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of like the way you kind of see his face, you kind of think like, oh, here he's embarrassed that his mum's taking him to work. And again, it's not like he's just taking, she's taking him to like the bank. Like he's a cop. Like, you know, you're kind of like, wow, your mum drives you to the police station. But yeah, exactly. The scene then when he's like, you know, your mum does the washing. What does she cut a crust off too? They're better that way. <laughs> like it's just. <laughs> I, just I love it though. I mean, I think that's what makes it awesome is that, I mean, Kobe Bell, he's a uh, big yeah, dude. Yeah. And but just in this show, it just shows that he's such a, like a, a, not a baby, but you know what I mean? Like, he's still a kid. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's, 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 just, oh, it's just, he does it so well. It just, it's so good. And we've talked up so many different actors and like, you know, Kobe Bell, I guess kind of at this point with Davis, and it's, I guess it's similar to Carlos really too, uh, is that, um, you know, they're fresh, they're rookies, and, like, while we're getting some sort of storylines sort of between, you know, the pairs, the the relationships between, I guess, Davis and Sully and then Doc and Carlos, we're not sort of getting individual storylines. Like, we're not really getting a sense for a lot of who Davis is, and I feel like Davis is one of the later ones that they really develop as a character, and it's not to say he's not developed. Like, I mean, you really like this guy, you know, but, like, we've only really had sort of... I feel one sort of storyline with him that was kind of him punching the pedo basically before and then kind of, you know, we've had just other things that are always related to Sully. And it's it's a learning experience. I realise that he's new, he's fresh, but, I, you know, again, we, we sound like we talk up... The, I mean, as I keep saying at the beginning of each of these episodes, it's the greatest show of all time. There's a reason behind this and it's just the character development of all these people. And, like, Davis is one of the characters who is in... Every single episode, I believe, like he's in every single episode of the show. It's it's him, it's it's Yokus, it's Bosco, it's Sully, and it's Carlos. They are there from day one. They are there at the end. Again, I think sort of question that with Bosco and and uh, Yokus because there are episodes they definitely aren't in, but I think they're still credited here for some reason but i think if you were to sort of analyze it and be completely technical the only people who are in every episode uh actually and, and it actually might even only be davis and sully because i'm actually thinking of at least one episode i can remember where carlos isn't in it and there's only one that i can think of that he's definitely not in so thinking of that it's got to be sully and davis then sort of on process of elimination so you get to know them gradually and davis I feel he has some great storylines. He does. Um, and, I mean, we like Kobe Bell. So, Kobe Bell's a cool dude. <laughs> he is, you know. he, You know, it's just funny, like, and to go back, I know we said this many times, but the cast, the way that, you know, just props to whoever, like, put the cast together, just props. Yeah. Because the dynamic of each. Because, you know, it's, I believe it's true, like, offset the dynamic that, the, the the dynamic has to be there, you know, offset and onset, and so it's just pretty cool. Like, I think some of the, like the friendships shine through the characters as well, you know. And I just it's props. You can really tell that these guys got a long offset as well, and. It's what's great about kind of sort of following a lot of these guys on social media. And we can sort of joke and say, like, you know, there's a bit of a curse of Third Watch. You know, they haven't really gone on to do a whole lot. But, you know, they're still active. Most of them are still active. They're still doing things. You know, Kobe Bell's still doing things. Anthony Rivera's still doing things. Molly Price is still doing things. You know, Kim Raver, clearly Michael Beach. They're all doing things still. But, like, the thing that I love it as well is you kind of see a lot of interactions with them still on social media. So, like, I know that Anthony Rivera and Michael Beach are good friends in real life. I know that, uh, you know, you see Skip Sardis and uh, and Kobe Bell. They're good friends in real life. You see it. And I remember actually follow- in following sort of Skip Sardis and a lot of his social media, there was a post that was probably about a year ago now at the time of recording this 
uh, he, it was on Instagram and there was a photo of him. I'm pretty sure it was Molly Price and I think Kim Raver. And they were all just like out at dinner in LA somewhere. And he kind of just puts the caption like, you know, catching up with my third watch friends. And it's like, it just made me so happy seeing that picture. That sounds familiar. It sounds, I believe I saw that. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's good to see that. Like, and I'm not trying to take away from like, you know, you look at, as I said, sort of people have gone on to really big things. You know, you say Kim Raver, you know, Bobby Cannavale, even Eddie Cibrian. You know, obviously, you know, he's a bit of a, a paparazzi hound now with everything that happened with Leanne Rimes. But, you know, that you kind of don't see a lot of them sort of going on third watch. But, I mean, I guess that's kind of excusable well, in no, a way. But, and then but, you got some. Yeah. And then you got Nia Long, which is later on in the, se- se- yeah, uh, yeah. the series. But she's gone on to something big. I mean, but like you said, she had a following before she joined the show. And I think it's not to take away from that sort of friendship. I'm sure by all means they are friends with these guys that, you know, you're on a show for that amount of time. You've got to make friends. But it's kind of obviously with the way careers sort of move on but that's the thing i always like seeing that these guys clearly got along very well outside the show and you can just tell you can just tell with the way they act around each other um and look if there is anybody in this show that didn't get along with each other you just don't know <laughs> like they, they cover it very well you don't know you don't i mean oh man i just <laughs> i missed the show oh, <laughs> i look, mean just talk, we are just like yeah stop recording no, let's keep watching yeah, it yeah, um, <laughs> from you know we're life into it like there's already life in it but yeah for sure for sure from there we we move uh i sort of touched on a few episodes about carlos was driving but i think we kind of get that throwaway line where carlos now wants to drive and doc is kind of like oh no and carlos is kind of like you know look it's uh you know it's a milk run you know you've only let me drive twice before come on you know how am i meant to learn and then, you know, we sort of get Doc like, no lights, no sirens. That's when he gets, I promise to bring it back with a full tank of gas, Dad. Um, and this leads into Carlos hitting someone. <laughs> he runs over a guy <laughs> with a mirror. Uh, and look, this is kind of a thing that Carlos, whenever he gets behind the wheel, it sort of doesn't really turn out well. <laughs> so, uh, while, while another bit in later on this season isn't necessarily his fault, this one is his fault. Let's be honest. He was not looking at the road and his mirror took out a guy who we learn has a glass eye. Uh, but <laughs> it's interesting. Um, I, I do. Oh, I just want to touch on the. Dr. Morales, again, Lisa Vidal, she just joined it last, joined a, a series last uh, episode. I just got touched on this relationship with Carlos and Dr. Morales. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love it. Like, she is, you know, like, when you, like you said, a glass eye. She's the one that figures out it's a glass eye. And so, and then Carlos, I think he's all proud about, he's all proud about himself. Like, you know, even though he hit her, hit the guy, he's all proud still. And she's like, yeah. What did she say? She said something like uh, get like diagnosis or something or like something that. like that or something. Like, yeah, <laughs> I find it. Yeah. I find it fascinating though. Just kind of touching on that, the the way it's kind of built up. Like you hear the dramatic music, it's tense. You're thinking like, oh fuck, you know, Carlos has kind of you know, hurt someone. This is going to be a plot line of the whole thing. Like you know, has Carlos accidentally killed someone? Blah blah blah. But it's, it's just it's just over just like that. It's like glass eye comes out. That's it done. Um, and then it's kind of the thing I find interesting about it is like. Why does she have to take his glass eye out? Because it's like she takes it out and just gives it to Carlos and then off she pops. So it's kind of like, is he now just going to be laying there with no eye in his socket? What if Carlos is so pissed off he just gets that and throws it in the bin and buggers off? Like, uh, bitch, please, give me my fucking glass eye back. (laughs) I'm so sorry. 
I love it. I just don't oh, understand God. the point of that. Like, she's just mega bitch right there. It's like, dude, that those class eyes are probably expensive. <laughs> Megan, oh my god, I just I can just listen to you. I don't really gotta say anything because you're on point with this. Like you're just going. With things. Oh, I just had a little rant there. I feel I feel I need to get a bit angry. No, there. that was awesome. That was awesome. Thank you. Um, she was just making right there. She went from bitch to mega bitch. We we got across here. Uh, we sort of jumped over a bit there with that scene, but you know there wasn't really much more to that storyline really. Um, but sort of back to our I guess our focus, Bobby and Kim. So I, we're in the we're in the uh, the ambulance. Uh, I love Bobby sitting there doing his finances, going over his bank statements, and he's so anal about the fact that they're three dollars off. Now, can you remember the days when you didn't have online banking where you could look at things immediately? You had to wait to get your bank statements to check your books to make sure that your budget and your spending was all good. And like, this is where I relate to Bobby because Kim's just basically like, "It's just three dollars." Like, what are you talking about? I'm Bobby. I'm worried about three dollars. I'm like, where? Where has that three dollars gone? I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Let's go to the bank. <laughs> I, you know what? I just did that last week. I was at the Dollar Tree, and this lady charged me like an extra uh, milkshake I had got, and I was like, I don't have it. So I'm gonna go. I was like, Can I grab another one? Can I get my dollar back? Yeah. Most people were like, Let that go. I was like, No, nah, that's a dollar. I mean, look exactly a similar thing. I went to McDonald's <laughs> the other night. And I went through the drive-thru and kind of ordered my thing. And then I kind of looked at the receipt and I'm like, this is, why is this so expensive? And they basically added like an extra side of fries to it because they thought the way I ordered my fries, I wanted an extra fries on top of the ones I already ordered. And again, yeah, some people, oh, whatever, I get extra fries. I've paid for it, may as well. But I'm like, no, I don't want these extra fries. Take them back. I want my money back. (laughs) Exactly. No, I did the same thing at the Dollar Tree. (laughs) I'm glad we're on the same page there. Hey, you know what? I was like, either I can grab another milkshake so you don't have to worry about it, but this dollar ain't just gonna be wait. I'm not. I'm not just gonna give this dollar up. (laughs) Just like that. I like kind of when they're in there though, and they run out of um, they run out of gas essentially. Now. My biggest thing, like, it's a funny little plot line that they get it because then, you know, Kim's like, oh, let's, you know, push it to the gas station and put half a tank in so they've got half a tank when we finish. And obviously that ultimately bites her in the ass later on. But is this really uh, a profession where you can get away with that? Because, like, let's be honest, let's, let's, let's just let's put this into perspective here, Brandy. Let's imagine they're sitting in that ambulance. They run out of gas halfway through that, right what we see. Let's imagine that is on September 11. Are they really going to laugh that off and think, oh, lol, well, we'll just get them back at the end of the day? If some shit goes down right now, they're an ambulance down. Like, that's well, not something you joke about. It's the same thing, as when, it's the same thing when, remember, uh, what was it the second or third episode? I cannot remember, but Bosco and his uh, so-called friend. Oh, with the block in the, the alley. Do- exactly, the- exactly. Yeah, I mean, the block in the alley and then, like, the police call gets stolen and, like, how did he even steal a police car? Like, you know what I mean? So, I mean, it's just, it's one of those moments again in Third Watch where it's just like, if you overanalyze it, we could be like, really? And this huh. is what we shouldn't be but, doing because it's a funny scene. It is comedic. And is. paramedics listening to this are probably going, Ben, please, we always play jokes on each other. This is funny. Um, but, like, you know, from a perspective right now where I'm thinking, you've got to save lives, people. Like, this isn't a good thing. Well, no, I'm thinking, like, okay, if there's really a bad... Uh, like you said, it was 9-11, but it's just a bad car crash, you know? And, like, they need all hands on deck. And they're close. It's, oh, we just, we just... Let's, let's be honest. If, if yeah. my power went out right now and this got cut off halfway through, 
no one's losing their life over missing an episode of the Oz Network. I mean, maybe they are. Hell, great. Please. You know, we'll be here to provide you life support for the rest of your life. But They're going to miss me. Yeah. What are you talking about? They need me. I'm kidding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh, uh, it's just, it's just funny. But this is the thing, though. It's a sort of, it is a Bobby and Kim episode. And it's just, I think kind of it really leads up into this whole, like, you're really seeing their friendship. And again, it's, it's this natural ability between, you know, Kim Raver and Bobby Cannavale. It's just, it's so natural. And I just, I just love it. We'll get to more of them, of course, throughout this episode. Um, <laughs> sort of. Like, what? When she said that. I don't think Bobby agreed with that, just to say that. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's because she's kind of like going like, hey, you know, you've obviously got to push it. And he's like, what the, like, hell no. And we obviously get the sort of the throwaway line here when he sort of, you know, she brings up the fact that Sonny's, you know, rocking up to uh, to a place there, but that's kind of just there. Now, I just want to get to this because, like, look, I think we mentioned last episode, Bosco and Yoko's really this episode are kind of, there's not a whole lot to them. I mean, I think... We can probably really cover Bosco and Yokus all now, but then I guess there's one little bit with Bosco that obviously we cover separately with the Sully and Davis storyline, but we get them basically, they show up to a graveyard, there's been grave robbers, they've stolen, you know, cherubs and angels, and kind of this is just the plot line of Bosco and Yokus. they're kind of tailing these people, they sit on a car for a while and just have sort of conversations about death and all this sort of stuff, you know, we get Bosco's line about like, oh, you know, it's creepy walking on these people, and Yokus is like, oh, they're all dead, Boz. And he's like, yeah, but have you seen Night of the Living Dead? I, I, one of my most favouritest bits in all of Third Watch when it comes to funny, funny bits, is they're in this, uh, whatever it is, like the chamber thing, and they're, you know, they're talking to this guy, he's explaining everything, <laughs> and, you know, he's, like, saying about, like, oh, you know, yeah, it was a black van, I got some of the number plate. So then she turns around when she's like, oh, can I get a description? And he's, like, turn around, short, chubby, about 20 inches tall. And the reaction of Yoko's, like, it's so good. The way she's just like, no, the man in the van. <laughs> it's so funny. I don't know if that's just me, but just the way it's delivered. And just Yoko's reaction sells it. Because she's just like, dude, seriously? You're describing the cherub? <laughs> oh, oh my, as funny as it is, some, a part of me was just like, I don't know, maybe it's just me. Maybe you can enlighten me. But I was like, what was the point of this plot? Right? Uh, this yeah, story? Yeah, I'm right with here? you. Because I was like, because like, like, uh, I've always felt that. I was like, okay. I keep thinking like, every time I watch this episode, I'm thinking that something exciting is going to happen. Yeah. Then it doesn't with that plot. And I'm like, then what was the point? I guess it was supposed to be like kind of... I guess I, it's, I think really it just comes down to their conversations, you know, about death and yeah. kind of obviously just resolving sort of her feelings sort of on the, the kid who died in the last episode, you know, when she has that conversation about like, you know, do you think anyone's going to do anything for that boy? Um, but yeah, no, I'm with you. There's there's nothing to them. I mean, it look- could be that. And it, it could be that. You're right. And then it can also be like, you know, their, their main characters, they need to be on a set. Maybe they True, true. Like I mean, look, there's always going to be episodes where your main characters really have not a lot to do. I mean, look, I can think of about four Bobby episodes we get in season two where Bobby just has nothing and it's like no wonder Bobby wanted to leave the show because like really they were doing nothing with his character um but it's yeah I I definitely feel it's just kind of filler and I mean we obviously we get a bit with Bosco which kind of is tacked on to a little bit so more of a resolution that kind of comes from an earlier episode with the Sully and Davis plot line but I mean I think that's really it for Bob uh, for Bosco and Yokus if you've got anything else to add on this you know riveting storyline but um, there's really not a whole lot to talk about in, in this episode. I just want me to fall asleep. Yeah, well, <laughs> we don't. Uh, so, yeah, so that's Bosco and Yokus' episode. Um, but then it's kind of also the fire. So this, to me, 
this feels really out of place. Like, the thing that I think works with the fire storylines is when the fire storylines are interconnected somehow with the police and paramedics. Or when we just have a very fire-centric episode when it's kind of all just the firefighters. To me, this just feels like it's... they've written, The writers have basically gone, hey, guys, we're six episodes in. We've had maybe, you know, a couple of bl- glimpses of Jimmy and the fire crew working. We really need to put something in here for it. So, and it's interesting how you kind of bring up Sweet, and I sort of, you know, can jokingly say, well, he's nothing. He's in it for one episode and he's done. But this is, to me, where it feels so forced because it's literally like... Let's meet a guy who we have no idea who the fuck they're talking about. Who the hell is Sweet? He's Brandy's future husband, apparently. But we have no idea. Oh, no, not. <laughs> Brandy's future one night stand. Then I don't know. But it's kind of it's like it's no thanks. You'll go for that one. It's it's like it just feels like oh, why do we have to care for this guy? And all of a sudden, you know, we get Jimmy screaming, you know, Sweet, Sweet, and then like the roof collapses, and then in come the paramedics, and it's all like anyone from the Fire Five. Oh, we're meant to be so worried about it. And this kind of goes back to what I've said. A lot of the firefighter episodes, I just kind of zone out. And I will admit, I zoned out even watching this in preparation for this episode. It just, it doesn't engage me. It just doesn't engage me. And it just, it feels so tacked on. It's nothing against the firefighters. I like Jimmy. We meet Walsh for the first time as well. We met DK last episode. We meet Walsh this episode. But it's, it's still, it's just, there's no purpose to it. No, I, I'm so happy you said that because, like, I knew, okay, I knew we were going to record soon. And I was like, okay, I know, because you know, we watched this up so many times. But I was like, okay, for we, the, for like the podcast sake, you know, for the audience sake, I'm like, let me watch this three more times. Because I kept zoning out every time the fire came. Because I'm like, is there supposed to be a message I'm not getting? <laughs> Am I missing something? If I blink, do I miss it? And so I kept rewinding it, which is why it took me so long to like get through this episode. <laughs> but you're right. There's really no purpose but to see like oh how dangerous he was and then it sets up a bobbing a bobby kim and jimmy triangle well, that's it again. that's what i was gonna say that's the only real thing we get is jimmy's broken his wrist and we kind of get like kim complaining and i guess also we get the shot of bobby watching uh, you know kim and jimmy and then we get you know doc with the whole you know why do you do this to yourself um and i guess kind of yeah look you can argue that but there are other ways of doing that. You don't need to tack on a whole plot line about, oh shit, is Jimmy going to survive or not? Because it's like, I mean, let's, 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 let's just say this bluntly. If Sweet died in that, we don't give a shit. We've just met him three seconds ago. I'm sorry, Sweet, and your family probably loves you. Brandy does, but like, I don't give a shit if you die or not. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. You know what? You know what, Sweet? You know what, Sweet? I will love you, okay? <laughs> I mean, I would just love him because you know what? If, if he did die, we he, we don't we don't know if he has anyone, so I'll just be that person. <laughs> yeah, well there you go. You you will love sweet, but he's not dead, so hallelujah. Um, it's yeah. There's not a whole lot really much to add on this. I'm gonna kind of, I know we're kind of skipping over a, a Davis and Sully scene here. I mean, we'll get to that. But I the one that I the, the one bit though I will like is um is Carlos kind of rocking up to the the conversation between Doc and Bobby when it's just kind of like, who said what? Who who said who? What did she say? Who are you talking about? Like, it's just... <laughs> I love that bit with Carlos. And we're really you, starting to see, like, the Carlos that we get to know. <laughs> the Carlos we get to love, you know? And yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He, Carlos, it's funny because, like, Doc, Doc is looking at him like, dude, I'm not saying nothing to you because you got a big mouth. And so then Carl, as soon as Doc walks away, he sits down to Bobby and is like, 
he just says like, let me in on the suit. And Bobby just looks at him like, nah. Yeah, you should <laughs> like, tell us. Tell who? <laughs> just, he's <laughs> just looking at him like, nah, dude, I can't. I'm not. It's funny. Uh, so sort of, we sort of interchange between this, obviously, just going back to Davis and Sully. So we we get sort of you know them in the car, they're chatting about you know potential potential detective um, you know exams. And I love the way Davis is like Detective Davis. Sounds like you know it's got a good ring to it. And kind of you know Sully's like you know, the jury's still out whether you make six months or whatever. And we get this great little story about how uh, Davis is like you know why didn't you or my dad kind of do this or you know go for a sergeant? And I love Sully's story about kind of like oh you know we were going to take the sergeant's test but then the Saturday came along we just went to a bar and watched a Rangers game. And then I love Davis is like that's not very inspirational. <laughs> it's like you want inspiration? Watch Old Yeller. <laughs> I I do I will say I love that part when when he's like he's like, David's like I'm just thinking about my options. She's like you don't have any options. Yeah, well exactly. <laughs> like, he's just, just started. You know he's only gonna make six months in. Yeah, but I mean look, you know, <laughs> just, we're all like that, aren't we? When we start a new job, you know, we kind of just basically yeah. get there and uh, you know we're thinking about the future and kind of all this sort of stuff, you know, but. Uh, yeah, like with my website, I'm thinking like, man, it's gonna be cool to retire on. But yeah. I just started three months ago. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, we're, we're all in, we're all kind of uh, you know positive thinkers on on day one of our job, I guess. It's just funny because Sully, he's not. Because you know, in real life, like you just said, we're like that, right? But in real life, if we had someone that said, "Oh, you don't have any options," we might be like, "Why are you questioning our dreams?" But then in the show, it's just it's not even negative. He's just like. What options? You don't even have any options. Yeah. It's like it's just funny. Does it like he's not even saying like David should not gonna make it. It's just one of those like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like telling a kid like, how are you gonna buy that? You don't have any money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? They still want to buy that bike, Mum. We can get it one day. You know, just you gotta give them dreams. <laughs> just kind of just going over a few of the David Sully scenes here because he kind of you know again as always we're sort of chopping changing between things. But I don't want to lump all of David and Sully together because there's obviously a, a you know a key bit to their storyline, but. Um, we obviously get our first kind of uh, inkling that there's a creepy old pedo man walking around the streets of this neighbourhood of New York at the moment because they encounter this young girl. She's basically just sort of talking about this guy. Kind of at first, you're kind of like, well, you know, look, it's just a creepy guy trying to pick you up and sort of I guess that's kind of their thought process on it. But we get sort of the giveaway about the fact that, you know, he's not leaving her alone. He knows all the information about her. He carries around this uh, notebook basically so uh that's kind of obviously a, a dead giveaway i like i like the fact when she turns around and says like oh you know he was old like 40 or something like that and then davis's little smirk he gives sully and sully's just like don't you like shut up <laughs> i love those little moments right there like you know but- so good but, but it kind of, it leads then, obviously, when they're back in the car and then, you know, she's sort of going on about, David's like, that girl was cute or whatever like that. And then we kind of get this story about Sally's torrid love life, about the fact that he was dating a German ticket agent from Lufthansa who has now married a detective. And then Davis is like, oh, there you go, you know, the, the detectives get the ladies. And he's just basically like, <laughs> yeah, it. but I she ballooned it. up to the size of the house and popped oh, out a bunch of kids. <laughs> Uh, the thing that I find interesting is kind of we talked about Doc last episode in terms of that keep an eye out for the tragedy that is Doc because you know his storyline is so tragic Sully I almost feel like it's he is the one that kind of has this tragic sort of mindset because 
we get that in a few storylines in the future. I know kind of I, I talked about the After Hours episode where kind of it's, you know, it's mentioned by one of the characters. Like, is every sort of memory you have a bad memory? And then kind of I think sort of in that future, I think it's what a season five episode when we sort of almost get a third watch Christmas episode with that little homeless girl and with Sully. And it's kind of it's related around sort of Sully's attitude. Because, I mean, he is. He's, he's very negative. He's very, very negative about life. And he's sort of, if you pay attention to what he says, pretty much everything that he will say has some sort of negative connotation to it. But I think it's it's not Sully being negative. It's just Sully has been around for so long. He's experienced so many things. And he's, he does leave a very sad life in terms of the fact that... I don't want to say sad life. That's a mean thing to say. But you know what I'm trying to say. That he's... Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's funny because, like, Doc and, Sal- Doc and Sully both have, like, different, you know... Not unhappy lives, but, you know, I get what you're saying. But here's the thing, like, with Doc, I feel like he wants to be happy, but he's, like you said, like, Sully, he's seen so much, he's been through so much, it's kind of hard for him to find it. He's still looking, but Sully, on the other hand, it's like he's, but he's a, since he's a cop, he's seen twice as much, or maybe not as twice, but, you know, a little bit more than Doc. And I feel like he doesn't try as hard as Doc tries, you know, in terms of to be happy. Like, he's happy with fishing, he's happy to be by himself on his fishing boat, just catching fish you know that's Sully. completely agree Comple- and i think i think i think that's a good way of putting it and also you also look at doc like doc had sort of the happy perfect life and he's lost it and things just gradually keep getting worse for him as we will discover over these series whereas for sally it's kind of like he's never really attempted to get it and like you're right and kind of that's when tatiana comes into the picture that's where like oh that that storyline affects me still. Like seriously, don't get me started on Tatiana Sally because, like, again, as I said last episode, I don't usually cry when it comes to TV shows. But anyway, we'll get to that. But um, it's Man. I, wait, I, got, wait, I guess con- uh three. I think three and four. I think it's it, no, it's four. It leads into four, goes through three and then into four. Although they, she might come into it season two and then goes through to four. But um, yeah, I think kind of if you were to relate to any character in terms of just realistically about yourself, I probably relate to Sully the most in a lot of his, I guess, how he feels about things. And I mean, look, I've, I, I'm a mix, I'm a mixture of a bunch of characters, but I definitely feel if you had, to, if you had to choose one, force my hand, it would be Sully in terms of just me relating to a character. You know, I've got bits of Carlos in me. I've, you know, got bits of Yokus, bits of Bobby. You know, sadly none of Jimmy. Um, but uh, I wish. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah. But well, I, I can get confident like Jimmy. You know, I mean, never. I don't know, like not cocky, cocky, but I can get confident. Where sometimes it's not always a good confident. It can come out as cocky. So I. Jimmy a little bit, just a little bit. I mean, like, Jimmy's the wish. Uh, or maybe a bit of Bosco, Jimmy and Bosco mixed together. That'd be a good mixture. <laughs> I would say I'm more like Sergeant Cruz, which comes, she comes in later. I think it's the third season she comes in, or is it? Yeah, she comes in, I think, towards the end of the third and sort of becomes a main character yeah, in the yeah. fourth. Um, yeah. but I would say her, because she's like, she's been around, she's seen some things, she's out, you know, she comes in like in one of the toughest units ever. And so, which was kind of, fits me. Well, there we go. Look for, I mean, we all are looking forward to Cruise anyway, because um, I can't wait to Cruise comes along, because I think Cruise was, when, when Third Watch was still on and kind of it was a show that was being talked about online, I always felt that people started losing interest when Cruise, and a lot of people blamed Cruise for coming into the show as ruining the show. 
and I couldn't disagree any more than that. I think Cruz was fantastic. Um, and like Cruz, when we talk about character development, we, I mean, you, I think describe it really well. like when it comes to layered characters and Cruz's storyline, like, wow, she has got a lot going on there. So yeah. And Tia Tejada, Texada, we're still trying to work out how her last name's pronounced, but, um, yeah, I am very much, uh, I've, yeah, I, I, I would happily take her out for dinner. I'll put that nicely. Uh- <laughs> you know what? She is a woman crush. You know, she like, you know how, like, Instagram, beautiful. like, you know how Instagram, Facebook has, like, that woman crush Monday or whatever it is? <laughs> I don't know if, you, if you've seen it, but they have, like, these, like, threads yeah. on, like, social yeah. media where they say, like, mon- like, woman crush Wednesday or something like that. She is a woman crush, though, for sure. There you go. I mean, look, Kim's definitely one for me still, but, I mean, I'd probably take Cruz over Kim if I... Again, force my hand. Um, I mean, I'd love to have both, but... Although when we get into season six, you know, Grace has got some elements to her, but I always forget she was a character in Third Watch, but uh, we'll get to season six. Uh, anyway, back to back to this episode where we're, we're going all over the place again. Where are we up to? Oh, yeah, so um, we've learned about the, um, the creepy guy. We've learned about the German girl, and uh, we then meet Creepy, uh, who we first learn as Leroy Brown, um, but obviously, uh, there's a little bit more to old Leroy Brown. He's not the baddest man in the whole damn town. Uh, Chester, Chester Daniels, is it not? Or Chester Day? Da- what's, what's his name? Chester, Chester Dennis. Chester Dennis. That's it. Yeah. Now, just want to point this out. We mentioned, I think, in the first episode about sort of the continuity of Third Watch. They have a bit of a habit of recycling their actors. So it's kind of like, let's get an actor to play one role and they're back in three seasons playing a completely different character. Damien Young, who plays Chester Dennis, he's one of them. He comes back into this season, uh, to this show, I think in season three from memory. He's only in it for a couple of episodes. He's not like a major character. He's almost like a blink and you miss it. But he's one of these ones that you see and you're like... I know him from somewhere. I know him from somewhere. And then okay, it clicks. Because, yeah. like, when you've got these sort of one-episode villains, I guess you say, when they're as memorable as Chester Dennis slash Leroy Brown, you're going to remember him. So, yeah. Man, he's, like, your real-life worst nightmare, man. Oh, yeah. This is like, this is creepy. This is... It kind of starts off innocently. It kind of... You're just thinking it's just an old man who, you know, getting his wires crossed. But... Creepy. Not no offense to the actor, but he looks creepy. He I does. mean, maybe it's just how he did it on purpose. But heck, no! I would, man. As soon as I saw him, I was like, no, there's something up. I know this is gonna be huge. This dude looks creepy as this heck. Is, this is the, this is this is what parents tell teenage daughters about walking in alleys at night and things like this. Like this is. You know, I can't even begin to relate in knowing what that would be like because I'm hey, not a girl what? and I'm not a teenage girl. I, have a, I just, I have a son and I worry about stuff like that. You know, mm. I mean, it. That's the worst thing. People watch out for the daughters, but they forget about their sons. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so we meet him. He, he sort of jokingly says he's uh, Leroy Brown. Although, it, I look, kind of a passing little joke. It does lead to a fantastic scene of Sully and Davis singing. Bad, bad Leroy Brown in the car. Like, that is amazing, that scene. Uh, just kind of going on their sort of blossoming relationship. I just want to point out, actually, with Skip Sardis, he actually is, uh, in real life, a singer-songwriter. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, he actually sort of 
outside of acting and directing and writing. Like, he's a, you know, he's a man of many talents. He's a triple threat, basically, as Skip Sardeth. Uh But, yeah, he's actually, he's got a band. I can't remember the name of the band. I don't know if they're still together, but I remember kind of back in the day when Third Watch was on and reading sort of about the cast members. He actually has a band. So, um... So he's a man crush. Well, there you go. Like, he, he might be. There you go. You're talking about Man Crush Monday or whatever. Um, you know, I don't know. I, <laughs> it could be up there. Well, no, it's just a, it's a, it's a saying on social media. That's all it is. It's like people, like, it doesn't mean anything like, oh, you want, you date or like, it yeah. has anything to do with that. It's just one of those, like, oh, that's a man crush. Okay. So he's triple threat. Like, okay, that's somebody that's really, like, out there, like, wow, shout out to them for doing what they do. Well, here we go. That's I've actually, I've just quickly just, I wanted to kind of, find out if this band what the name of it um so he was in an acoustic rock band they were called minus ted and they've actually released three albums uh both are on itunes apparently we, we need to find these and sort of talk about it um and he's also um recorded several audio books there you go it's actually interesting to kind of read just how much skip sardis has been involved in so um there you go singer songwriter skip singing bad by leroy brown that's um that's uh, that's working. He turned 60 this year. Actually, he turned 60 last year, did Skip. Wow, looking good for your age there, Skippy boy. So, um, yeah, we hope to get you on the show soon, Skip. We've sort of actually we have been talking a little bit to Skip Sadath and sort of on and off. So, fingers crossed, because that would be a fantastic interview. So, uh, stay tuned for that. But uh, we'll get to more of Sully and Davis, because there's plenty more of them to come in this episode. But going back to Kim and Bobby... We get them in the car and sort of, you know, it's brought up about, you know, are you still in love with him? And Kim sort of talking about how it comes down to, you know, it's hard enough to leave him the first time. But you can tell that clearly she's still got feelings. But uh, we get then Sunny, Sunny dead. Basically, I've just said we get Sunny. Uh, that's kind of a passing way of saying it, wasn't it? Um, we, we, we discover, sadly, Sunny has died. <laughs> Uh, Yokers and Bosco do have a bit more in this episode. I forgot about that. But, um, yeah, sadly, Sunny is dead. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting, this kind of plot line that kind of lasts six episodes and sadly she's gone. But I guess it kind of leads a lot into, you know, Kim and Bobby, the, their moment at the end of this episode. Because obviously Bobby kind of comes clean about like, oh, let's go see he, her pimp Bama. And kind of, you know, Kim's like, Bama, how do you know about him? He's like, oh, you know, I got it when, you know, she returned the wallet. It's like, oh, I thought she returned it. No, you know, I kind of helped with that. Because um, obviously Kim wants to find out information, you know, obviously when it comes to, you know, who is she more so than she's just going to get buried in a silly lot. So, um, caring Kim, she's going out of her way to make sure that she knows who she is and kind of just touching on the, the sunny plot line, uh, they approach Bama. Uh, he's shocked about uh, the the death of dear old Sunny, and then uh, obviously we learn uh, she does have a real name. She's not Sunny. Uh, she is Julie Burke from Pittsburgh. So there you go. Doesn't quite have the same ring about it. The Sunny and Sunshine, like Julie, like Julie Shine, doesn't work, does it? No, it doesn't. But <laughs> I don't know. I don't have much. She was never really a favorite character. No, I mean, she's just your throwaway one. But, I, I look, I'm going to make this argument right now for you, uh, Brandy. I think she's still more memorable than Dana. <laughs> so, that is true. Dana and doesn't have an episode I'm, named after her. That is true. Dana, who are... Dana, let's, let's oh, be honest. Let's, let's, she's now the butt of all useless jokes. Because when it comes to Dana, the only thing she's done in Third Watch is slap Bobby, question Kim over her feelings for Bobby... And then get a bit flirty in the horror, the the hallway of the hospital. 
That's Dana's storyline. There we go. <laughs> hey, you know what? But, you know, maybe she went off and did something bigger. She, Who knows? She could be owning her own freaking... She runs her own stuff. hospital. She's the chief of staff of, of uh, Angel of Mercy. Like, what now? <laughs> She's like, in the boardroom. What, what you going to say now? <laughs> nah, still, still standing by it. Dana's useless, all right? Come on. <laughs> uh, hey, I tried, Dana. I tried. Sully and, the, the one thing I will say about Sully and Davis, when it comes to them sort of being the main focus of the police storyline this episode, I think... I don't know how I feel about this domestic dispute storyline. It just feels almost out of place in the fact that they should have just left it at this Leroy Brown storyline because it's heroic at the end. We obviously get sort of the outcome, which we'll get to. But all of a sudden it's like, let's show up to a domestic dispute. I've got a woman who's uh, obviously beating the crap out of a husband with a stick because uh, she's found out that he's cheating on her. Although I do love the way she like delivers her lines. Like, she's a great actress, whoever she is, but the way she has that line when she's like, my tube's chide. What the hell do I, does he need rubbers for? Like, the way she kind of delivers that. Like, there's, again, great actors that you really don't feel that these are two actors pretending to have a fight. You feel this is a real couple having a fight. Um, so it's just, I don't know how you feel about it. Cause like, let's just, I think we can knock this out of the park, knock it over and done with really. Cause I think we need to focus more on, uh, old Chester Leroy. So basically Sully talks this guy out from pressing charges on his wife. He's basically like, look, you know, you've messed up. Do you really want her to go to jail for this? It's kind of, you know, think about it, calm down and everything along those lines. And then Bosco, you know, he's one sort of bit in this episode where he's kind of not looking after cherubs. And he's basically just like, you know, oh, you know, that's how you're handling it. And of course, Sally delivers the whole, solving problems, Bosco, but solving problems, you know, that sort of line. And then later on in the episode, uh, after the, all the heroic moments we'll get soon with uh, Chester and, and Leroy, uh, we're back to this address. And sadly, this woman has snapped and gotten a gun and killed her husband. And uh, then we get sort of Sully just looking so, you know, guilty and sort of, you know, sad about this. And then Bosco's line is kind of like, you know, great job, problem solved. I like it. I like the fact that we get it because I think it really does contrast their policing styles and kind of really shows this whole mantra of Sully of solving problems, biting him in the ass. I'm not complaining about this as a wasted storyline, say, like with the firefighters section. I just feel like it's out of place in this episode. I just think that it's kind of... They've added one too many things on top of what we're already experiencing. I don't know if you you feel that way or not. I, well, because they, you felt like you were getting a victory, Davis and uh, Sully, at the end with the Leroy thing, and then this happens, and then go back to like I don't know. I just feel like maybe in another episode it'd have been awesome, like the next one. Yeah, because Sully saying we're solving problem because it is a problem though. He he. Here again, he is a veteran who's seen a lot. He's kind of not given up, but he's kind of given up on certain things. So, I mean, at one point, this does need to happen where he makes that mistake of like giving up too soon and it it causes problems, you know. But maybe if they did it like in the ex- next episode, like a different episode, then yeah. Yeah, it just, it just feels just like a little bit too much. It just feels like it doesn't, like, yeah, exactly. Next episode or something like that. In an episode when Davis and, and Sully maybe don't have a lot to do, but it just, to me, they've got you feel like they've got so much to do and yet Bosco and Yokers are just kind of sitting in the car looking at, you know, statues. So it's kind of, yeah, I, that's just one criticism, I guess, when it comes to this episode. Is And it's interesting how we talked about that last episode. It's like they do it so well weighting their characters and their episodes with sort of juggling all these main characters. But, yeah, this one, it just feels like they're just 
done a little bit too far. Um, we'll get back to them. We keep saying that, but uh, sort of there's a big payoff, I feel, with Chester and, and Leroy that we'll get to. But uh, just on the Carlos and Doc side of things, we sort of haven't seen a whole lot on them, but uh, kind of we get back to this, you know, fighting between the two. We sort of had almost felt like that was resolved last episode, but it's back because we have a kid having a seizure uh, and sort of Carlos is doing one thing, Doc doing another, and sort of Carlos is sort of saying you should use this drug, Doc's saying no, use this, and then he's trying to put the needle in his arm, they're sort of fighting, and you know, you get this mother who is basically like, does he know what he's doing? Like, again, I'm sure you would be in that situation if your child is having an and the paramedics are fighting over each other, it's like, you don't want that. Um, no, you don't. It's it's kind of it's very well acted, but then obviously this all leads into I guess kind of what we expected was going to happen at some point, but it's just interesting how it eventually comes out. Carlos and Doc are just fighting; they're screaming at each other when it comes into the the ambulance bay, and we sort of you know get Carlos you know like you know when was the last time you read a medical journal? Like this drug hasn't been used in years, and sort of they're just fighting, and then all of a sudden Carlos gets pushy, shoves him. I love Doc's reaction of like, "Are you kidding me?" And then he's, "Come on, Grandpa!" And then really pushes him. To which Doc replies, "You're one dead Mexican." And then they get into this fist fight, which let's be honest, Doc wins this. He kicks Carlos's ass. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and I love, I love kind of you know, out comes Morales, out comes everybody to save the day, and then like they hold them back, and like Carlos is held back. He's defeated, but Doc just wants more. Doc wants to beat the shit out of him. <laughs> What? You call him Grandpa? Yeah. I love it. I love, like, Michael... Angry Michael Beach is great. Like, I just... You know, I think we need to pay note to special... Special note to Angry Michael Beach. Because Michael Beach pulls off Angry Man so well. He does. He pulls off wisdom so well. I mean, when I look at Michael Beach now, he looks so much younger... He does. ...than he doesn't... Yeah, you're right. ...than as... And Doc, you think he, you know... Because when I looked at, it, looked at his pictures, and I was like, whoa, he looks young. I thought he was, like, maybe older. No, he looks ten times younger when he is in the show. So he pulls off Doc well, like, with the wisdom and all. One of the, the best things, uh, sort of, I mentioned, I've obviously had the pleasure of interviewing Michael Beach before, but I remember kind of in the lead-up to when the interview was happening, he was sort of messaging me, we're organizing a time. And then it was, so I was, it was sort of a schedule that I'd interview him on a Saturday afternoon, my time. So it would have been a Friday evening for him. So on the Friday afternoon, we're sort of messaging and I think we added each other to Skype. And he says to me, he's like, oh, look, you know, let's just have a bit of a chat now before we do the interview tomorrow. I'm like, okay, you know, that's fine. And sort of, we get on Skype and, you know, webcam and all, here's Michael Beach sitting in front of me, like, just, you know, there he is in his living room and just, you know, I don't generally get starstruck that much, but at this moment, I'm literally staring at the screen going, it's Doc. (laughs) Like, what do I do right now? (laughs) I'm just sitting in my house (laughs) chatting on Skype on webcam with Michael Beach. I'm like, cool. All right. (laughs) Man. I think if he was, um... If he was like, if he was actually in character when he did that, I think that would be. Oh, like, look, you know, that would have been amazing. <laughs> it's kind of, I don't think it was quite that to the extent, but I mean, it was a fun interview. It went for like an hour, and I think, you know, probably half of it was about third watch. But uh, look, again, he's one that we're going to hope to try and get back on the show for sure. But um, 
Definitely, definitely. It was a, it was a fun time. But yeah, look, it's it's kind of the thing I will say about the Carlos Doc fight. I have nothing against it because you always felt this was going to happen. I think maybe it's just one episode too late. It's kind of I think they need to swatch their swap their storylines over from last episode into this episode because it kind of feels weird that last episode that you feel like they've got that I think you mentioned it like a level of respect. It's like okay, here we go. They're finally starting to work well with each other, and then it's kind of like. Jerry's quit, so you know these two are going to have to work with each other, and now all of a sudden they're back to fighting again. It's kind of okay, it's a bit higgledy piggledy, but that's kind of just my argument. I mean, it, I do love the scene that we will get that, um, oh, we might as well talk about it now, but when they're sitting in the, uh, waiting room holding, you know, their faces, and just, just the way Carlos kind of, you know, talks about it, you know, like, you know, I'm not, he just basically starts a conversation, you know, I'm not Mexican. And this is, again, I think kind of what we touched on in a few episodes ago where it was like, look, the changing storylines of Davis's father. And this is kind of Carlos's storyline where he mentions, you know, he's not Mexican, he's Filipino. That will later change to his heritage being Mexican. But I think we established, you know, that's easily to be able to be overlooked because as he explains here, this is kind of our first mention that Carlos, you know, has been in foster care through his entire life. So this is kind of that real first mention of it. And then I like kind of, you know, um, his line when he's like, you know, you really clocked me. Where did you learn to flop? fight and the way doc's like brothers and the way carlos is like you mean brothers or brothers <laughs> i love it because it could be either way yeah and here's the thing maybe they uh said he was mexican because honestly you think he's mexican the whole time but then he looks like he could be native in the show but most people will probably assume he's mexican so they probably like well at one point i was like fuck it he's mexican it's kind of interesting with Doc because, like, we established last episode, he's a little bit sexist when he automatically assumes Morales is uh, is a man. Is he a little bit racist for just automatically assuming that the Latino guy he's sort of working with is is Mexican? I mean, is that? Am I reading too much into Doc? I'm not trying to label Doc as the sexist, racist paramedic of New York, but I mean, it's just kind of you know. <laughs> oh no! I'm speaking from a 2017 perspective here, Brandy. In 1999, you can get away with a little bit more, but I mean, if this is 2017, we'd be reading into it a bit more. I never actually read into it, really. I was just thought it was funny. I mean, honestly, the, come on, Grandpa, like, stood out to me more than the... <laughs> yes. That stood out to me more because it was just funny because that's when you knew. It was like, oh... It's on. It's on. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Pistols at dawn. I think that's my favorite because Carlos, he looks... I mean, Carl. I don't need a perfect haircut, but it's just like he looks like that, uh, that young punk kid. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he's just like, Come on, Grandpa. <laughs> like, but it's just you just, just always, beat. always felt this was going to happen, and we've talked it up again, kind of with with um with Carlos and Doc. It's like. It's just such an interesting... Again, we keep saying it. Just the development of, of these pairs. But just it's just a unique one that, like, you never really ever feel with Doc and Carlos that they are 100% friends outside of their respective professions. Like, you get it with Sully and Davis. You get it with Bosco and Yoga. You get it with Bobby and Kim. You know, you get it with all these people. But Carlos and Doc is the one that you kind of would never imagine them on a Saturday night going bowling or having a beer. It's not really until their very last scene with each other in the final episode that you're kind of like, there it is, you know? And it's 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 well done. I think it's very well done. Well, because we mentioned that Kim Raver eventually leaves, you know, because you said she joined ER. Was that? Uh, 24. That 24. She joined 24. 24. Okay. Yeah. And um, 
I think it's like when when she leaves, I get a sense of Carlos being coming more like family to each and every one of them, including Doc, you know, because he, he's kind of, it's kind of heartfelt because, you know, Carlos, I don't want to get into it then, but, you know, he says some things and you, it makes you realize, like, you know, he's been there from the beginning, like one of the first, he was the newest paramedic that came in and all these other ones come in eventually, but I can see it. I mean, turns in, yeah. Why are so close? I think at the end of the day, um, I think as we've mentioned, sort of the only ones, and this isn't really spoiler, I mean, kind of you assume this with any show across the years, but the only ones really in this season that are in it till the very end are, you know, Bosco, Jokas, uh, Davis, Sully and Carlos. Uh, and kind of in saying that Doc's in the last episode, look, we can't really spoil it. Like, let's just say that Michael Beach does leave at some point and then comes back for the last episode, as, you know, Kim does, you know, uh, Jimmy does. You know, a bunch of them come back for that final episode, so it's great that they sort of do that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of... Um, I just love the, the payoff that we get with them. Like, I was very critical the first time I saw the third watch finale. Like, oh, God, that was a really bad way to end it. But, again, I just... It's now kind of... Having seen it so many times, I kind of feel it is a... It's 95% a great way to end the show. I do have a couple of issues with the finale, and we will get to that. We're a long way away from that. But, um, you know, there are definitely some there are definitely some characters the way they end their storyline that I'm not satisfied with, and I really wish they had done something else with it. But yes, um, we will get to that. Anyway, we're, we're way ahead of ourselves. But I just, I don't know, it's a nice little scene when they're kind of, you know, they've just punched each other's lights out, but now they're sort of made up. And the way that Morales comes in, checks uh, Carlos, and the way she's like, and the way um, Carlos says, oh, she likes me. She's covering. She doesn't want to get hurt. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> She's not hurt. She don't want to get hurt. Oh, it's so just, good. You're so sure of yourself, bro. <laughs> so good. But it's, it's good. They're made up. They're, they're going to be friends again. We know that. But I guess kind of from here, really, um, our two main bits. We've got Bobby and Kim's storyline to cover quickly to end it. And and uh, Sally and Davis. I guess we'll go Sally and Davis first. We'll uh, start with Bobby and Kim. We'll end with Bobby and Kim. But So, really, we've, we've met Chester Dan- Dennis. Uh, we learn his name is Chester Dennis, actually, we should say, because sort of in between him, uh, Sally and Davis have gone around to a, a mother's house. Her daughter is not home yet. Um, kind of you're thinking, okay, well, this is just another random storyline. You know, this is sad. And obviously, she's only two hours late. And they're kind of like, look, you know, I'm sure she's going to walk through the door at any point right now. But then we hear the information about, oh, she's being pestered by an older guy with a notebook. Oh, hang on a minute. This sounds like our pervy guy from before. So, obviously, we find out that they get led to the library because this is happening at the library. We meet the world's least helpful library attendant. Can I just point out that? She's not there to help the police. (laughs) You know, library records are confidential. Please help us out. You know, we've had a long day. Uh, She eventually does help. But, um... I like the fact that kind of Sully gives up so easily. Like, this is kind of... I just you- I point that out. Like, that pissed me... This is... He be pissing me off. Maybe that's why. <laughs> Maybe that's why they put this in this episode. Maybe that was kind of like a little bit of like a hint, like how why he, he fucks up way too much a little bit because he's, he's at that point where he's just like, I want to retire, but just can't do it just quite yet, you know? And Yeah. Possibly. You know, that's maybe that's point. what it was. Yeah, that's a good point, actually, now that you sort of say that. But, you know, Sally's asking for the information based on the fact that this guy has clearly given a fake name. You know, that would be the same if he was like, oh, my name is Mickey Mouse. Like, you know, as if they're going to have a record for Mickey, you know, Lee, I mean, even if they did, is it really going to be him? Anyway, so basically he says, oh, well, I'm, we're looking for a guy. He harasses girls. You know, his name's Leroy, Leroy Brown. No records. They go to walk off. Then Davis kind of steps in. You know, he's tall. He's balding. He's got a notebook. 
And then straight away, the woman knows exactly who, you know, he's talking about. You know, Chester Dennis, um, he only likes to rent out girl, female anatomy and gynecology books. Uh, I do love her line when she says, we always debate whether we should burn them or not. <laughs> Which I think you, that's a fair enough uh, assessment of that. That's kind of creepy and gross. Um, you know, clearly 1999, uh, no access to internet pornography, let's be honest, but hey, cool, whatever floats your boat, mate. Um, but then we, obviously through this, they've found his address, they knock on his door, and, uh, we get very loud music playing, and they're sort of questioning her about this girl, and it's sort of, look, I will say, it's a creepy scene, it's, you know, very creepy, because ultimately they lead to this girl who uh, has been reported missing before, is literally tied up in this guy's, like, whatever room that is, the rape dungeon, you know, in her underwear, and kind of, you know, it's just, it's disgusting. This creepy guy literally is kidnapping teenage girls and just, you know, sexually assaulting them. It's, it's, it's terrible. But I will say, this whole sequence is done fantastically, like, just the music, the way that's playing, and then kind of just the the lighting of the room and just, again, going back to sort of how this was all filmed in New York. Like, this is an actual New York apartment that they found somewhere. And this isn't a set in Hollywood. You know, this is legitimately a place somewhere in New York. And it's just, it's so beautifully shot. You know, they sort of invite themselves in and he's kind of like, you know, I didn't say you could come in. It's like, well, I thought you said come on right in. And then they get into a bit of a fight and, you know, there we go, we rescue the girl. My one question, though, I have, Brian, I don't know if you notice this or not. So, Sully hears the banging, opens the door, finds the girl, unties her, you know, gives her, you know, consoles her and kind of is, is worried for her safety. Davis is obviously, you know, uh, subduing uh, old Chester. He then walks into the room to say to Sully, like, you know, check on Sully and Sully's like, you know, find something to cover up. Where the hell is Chester in this situation? Is he cuffed? And, like, is he? if he's on the floor, could he not just stand up and run away, even with handcuffs? Like, we get that in an episode in the future. Like, what, like... No, I noticed that, too. Many times, like, the, like, the first time I watched it, because someone like that, you do not leave out of your sight. I remember, like, the first time I ever seen that episode, I was like, wait, what? Unless- you don't leave a guy like that ever. The only thing I can think of is he's handcuffed him to like a, a, a the wall or something like that. But it's kind of it's yeah. I don't care. That dude's so sick, man. You do not take that chance. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. It's it's kind of interesting, but I guess kind of at the same time he's got to back up his partner. But um, yeah. Look, it's it's kind of. I mean, it sort of it then crosses into this sequence we've already talked about with sort of, you know, the, the woman's obviously killed her husband. But I do like the bit where they're in the car and they're kind of, you know, giving each other high fives about, you know, rescuing this girl. So, I mean, that's kind of that. I don't know if you have anything really else to add on kind of this whole, you know, creepy classical music rape dungeon. No, I'm not really because it's too realistic, man. I mean, that's something you worry about as a parent every day or like as an aunt or, you know. So, I mean, not really. I... That's that, this is one of my least favorite episodes because it's so realistic. Mm, to be honest, it's definitely very uh, it's it's haunting. It's very you know yeah exactly, but it's done so realistically as well. That's kind of what it adds to it. So I guess kind of this leads us to Bobby and Kim. Now it's kind of all been building up to this across all these episodes and everything else, and sort of Doc's pep talk to Bobby, and you know you should talk to her and all that sort of stuff. So here we are. They're sitting outside the firehouse. Uh, we're hearing Kim sort of talking about the fact that, you know, she's notified um, the, about her, you know, Julie Burke from Pittsburgh's parents and all that sort of stuff. And then we sort of get them sitting down and uh, Bobby's, you know, meaning to talk to you. I keep forgetting to bring it up. And sort of Kim leads in. It's like, oh, what's going on? And 
Then we get the moment when he goes to kiss her. Here's his moment. Go in for the kill, Bobby. Here you go. Here's your moment. What does Kim do? Your favourite person in the world here, Brandy. She turns away. Shut down. Ouch. That has got to hurt. Talks to you. (laughs) Talks to you. (laughs) I'm sorry. Oh man, that has got that is painful. I We've mean... all been there. We've all been there. Wait. Maybe I have <laughs> and you haven't. Okay, sorry. Uh... Wait, wait, no, 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 no. I'll I'm just go stand to... in the corner and you don't know, count my sad life. <laughs> no. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't dated much, to be honest. So maybe that's why. I mean, I don't know. I no, but <laughs> who knows? Well, yeah. Not like that. I guess yes, because I've had crushes, and I'm like, oh, they don't have a crush back on me. But it's never. Then I'm just like, oh, oh well. Then sh- not more, not more of my time. Move, I'm moving on. <laughs> Everybody wants brandy. Brandy never gets rejected. Let's be honest. Come no, on. never, never. <laughs> if that was the case, I wouldn't be single. <laughs> <laughs> That's a choice, though. That's a lifestyle choice. You know, if you wanted someone, you could have someone. You know, Bobby Cannavale. You know, he'd leave Rose Byrne for you. Let's be honest. Come on. No, 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 no. <laughs> I would, I would actually, I would be like, you dumb. You have her. Why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> then I can have Rose Byrne. It's a win-win. <laughs> yeah, like that. Yes, but no, man. They're such a cute couple. We can't break them up. But it's 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 heartbreaking. You just, oh, God, you feel for Bobby. And it's, kind of, it's not like you're thinking, like, oh, you bitch, Kim. Like, you really are not hating Kim at this point. You just, oh, you feel so bad for Bobby. And then I love the sequence in the, the ambulance when kind of, you know, it's, you know, should we talk about it? And Bobby's like, I hope not. <laughs> it's kind of, but we get we get a good explanation, sort of, from Kim. Like, she's very attracted to Bobby. Like, the, the feelings are reciprocated. But it basically comes down to the fact that she doesn't want to hurt him. She's a horrible person. Now, this is kind of coming from experience here. I've been in situations where I've really liked a girl. She's really liked me, but for various reasons, she doesn't want to be with me. And look, she could basically sit there and say, oh, I can't be with you because if I'm with you, you will die because, you know, I'm like rogue from X-Men. If I kiss you, I will suck your life from you and you're dead. Um, but it still doesn't take away from the fact that you are fucking hurt at that point. So I was gonna, I was gonna say that's such a poor excuse from Kim, but then I get it because I, true, true, because I've been there where like I want, I like this guy, and I told you about this guy actually when we were like off record. I told you about this guy actually, and it's the same guy, and I liked him, he likes me, but like then I'm just like yeah, I really don't want to because there's times it could have worked out, but then I push him away because I'm like nah, because I have so much baggage not baggage but yeah so it, it does make sense and this is the thing with kim and it's kind of and i guess it's a character it is who she is and it kind of makes her the person she is but from this point on knowing that he has these feelings for her and kind of what is to come between these two it's kind of like dick move kim you're playing with a guy's heart um so it's like i there's a lot of there's a lot of what is to come with kim and bobby I'm just going to put it out there now. I do not have any sympathy for Kim. You're a bitch. Like, just just be honest. You're a bitch, Kim. Just for just for periods there. I still love you, Kim. You're a great character. I love Kim Raver. And again, it's not your fault. It's the writer's fault. They wrote it this way. But yeah, let's just put it out there. We're both on that same page. And we'll get to that episode. But yeah. Bitch. I mean, this bitch. Like, this bitch. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, she's a mega bitch like Dr. Morales. I mean, <laughs> Kim is just... 
She's a bigger bitch than Dr. Morales. At oh, the, come at on that now. Episode. Kim's not taking out random people's glass eyes and just, you know, making them lose it. You know what? He can get another one. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby can't get another you know, Kim. <laughs> Fuck you, Kim. Well, I mean, I mean, man, dude, glass eye. Oh, I'm just going to get another one, you know? That doesn't cause any, like, emotional pain, but, whew. Bobby, 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 man. I do yeah. like the ending of this episode, though. I love it when they, they obviously ultimately run out of gas again. You know, Kim's plan's bitten in the ass. They get to the, the gas station, and, uh, you know, Kim goes in to pay. You, what is it? You pump, I'll pay. You want a soda? No, it's all right. Then we just get Bobby just, you know, chilling inside of the ambulance, you know, looking all cool and Bobby-like, because that's what he is. He's cool and Bobby. And then up rolls this car and these ladies are out drinking, like, again, legal, illegally drinking in the car. Why not? And, you know, she gets out of the car and just starts dancing in the gas station. Why not? And, you know, looks at Bobby. He's nodding his head and into it. And we get a kind of an interesting little sequence of Bobby dancing with random girl in front of the car. Out comes Kim, looks it and says, like, oh, this is not good. Gets that sad look on her face, kind of like, oh, shit, what am I doing? But... It's a good way to end the episode. I, I just like the way this ends this episode. And I get it because it's like, you ever been in pain where you just like, you just start, you find something to make yourself happy. That's what Bobby's doing in this scene. He's like, this guy's heartbroken and he's just like, you know what, screw it. And he's just like, he's just trying to be, he's numb. So he's just like, I'm going to go dance, you know, and just get my mind off this. Yeah. You know, that's what it is. That's why I love it because it's so real. Yeah, for sure. It's a great way to end it and it's, it's, you know, it's definitely not as deep and, and emotional as last episode's ending, but um, there we go. That's Sunny like sunshine, and we won't hear that ever again because Sunny's dead. Rest in peace, Sunny. Uh, <laughs> what are we doing with this episode, Brandy? Are we buying it, renting it, or binning it? Um, I would have to rent it because I mean I do have to see every episode. But honestly, if I if it was up to me, I'm gonna cut the last piece out the other. <laughs> I will cut. You know how you could like just put it in like a photo editor, I mean, a video yeah. editor. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna snip the last part out with Bobby dancing, and I'm gonna throw the rest away. There we go. Throw the rest away. <laughs> just because I just it's too creepy for me. But what about you? Yeah, I'm gonna rent it too. Um, and look, it's it's kind of. I probably would technically say I could buy every single episode because I could buy the season in whole. And it's not like it's a terrible episode, but it's not as, you know, you compare it to last episode, it's not as emotional, it's not as deep. And, like, yeah, you've got character development from these people, but it's just, there's a, just things in this that are just tacked in there for no reason. You know, the firefighters plot and kind of just this domestic violence thing, it just feels out of place on the grand scheme of things. So, to me, that's where it is. Obviously, you know, Bosco and Yokus, it just feels wasted, this whole episode with them. You know, I love the Bobby and Kim stuff. Uh, props to Bobby and Kim to have a Bobby and Kim-centric episode. You know, we always love our Bobby and Kim. Uh, you know, the Carlos Doc fight, it's great. It's great that this has kind of finally come to this point again. It feels like it's just an episode too late. It should have been in the last episode. And, you know, the Davis and Sully stuff is great, again, solidifying their relationship and kind of the payoff, but for, you know, creepy story, you know, rapey guy. Um, and then kind of, you know, as I said, the firefighters, there's nothing really on Jimmy here to even remotely add, except for he broke his wrist and is just a typical man and doesn't want to go to the hospital for it, you know? So there's just, there's nothing more. And, like, seriously... One of the most, uh, you know, tense scenes of this entire episode is we're meant to be caring about some guy called Sweet. 
Uh, so it's kind of, yeah, it's a renting. It's it's kind of, I sound so negative on that, like I want to bin it. But um, I really don't know if there's going to be any episodes of this I'll bin. I've got to really think forward about that. There might be one. But um, yeah, renting it for sure. Um, and which is kind of bucking a bit of a trend here. This is only the second one I've, I'm renting. I've bought everyone so far, Brandy. You've, you've rented more than I've bought. So there we go. We're settling. Yeah. Yep. So we're moving on. Episode seven, our next one. It's called Impulse. And um, we we sort of follow on a little bit of Carlos's uh, unlucky driving. Um, but it's uh, a little bit more intense next episode. It's a very interesting storyline when it comes to that. Um, and when it comes to other, I mean, it's kind of just a, nothing huge in the next episode. I kind of feel next episode is almost similar to this episode in the fact that it's nothing groundbreaking. I mean, it's still, it's a good episode. All episodes of Third Watch are, but, uh, we, we kind of get a weird storyline of, uh, Jimmy, a boy in a tree. Let's just leave it at that, shall we? <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of, let's find things for the firefighter to do. Oh, wait, let's put a boy in a tree. Uh, so we'll we'll get to that it's called impulse impulse that's our next episode but as always we're enjoying bringing this coverage to you our exclusive coverage of third watch the only podcast and this year a podcast you ever have covered third watch from start to finish you want to subscribe you know you do go to itunes stitcher wherever you download your podcast and you can also rate leave us feedback everything else in between there like us on facebook search for the oz network you can follow us on twitter and, of course, uh, you can send us an email, theoznetwork at hotmail.com. And we have a website, theoznetwork.net, just in case you want to see all our other episodes. We're obviously doing a Nip Tuck rewatch at the moment. We've got movie uh, recaps, covering Survivor if you're a Survivor fan, and there's everything else in between to keep your little ears satisfied with oral asphyxiation. I can say that because it's not inappropriate if you think about it in the correct context. Uh, but we look forward to our next episode and we'll close it out by saying my name is Ben and I've also been described as short, chubby and about 20 inches tall. And again, my name is Brandy and come on, Grandpa. <laughs> just, I just, I love it. Carlos Nieto. He's the best. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.